I think we're recording now. Why do you feel pressure? Not at all. I'm just kidding. Ah, okay. <laughs> Done a million podcasts. That was um, actually one of my backlink strategies when I was trying to build out the uh, site that I was working on. It was just like trying to get on as many podcasts as possible because they just include like a note to your website in the show notes. And with most like RSS feeds and other podcast platforms out there they just like scrape a bunch of different sites so if you list yours on spotify with a link there's like um shit i'm trying to think of like all the other different like soundcaster is that like a podcast hosting platform or something like they'll all just scrape those links and just post it on their domain so it's just a good way to get back so when I was doing it. basically black hat things i wouldn't say black hat it wasn't me that was doing it wrong but uh <laughs> no it was no, good okay, yeah, okay so <laughs> This basically is like my first podcast ever. Like uh, I've only appeared on another podcast like twice, uh, just to say you know about cyber leads or whatever. So I'm sure I'll cringe as hell. Uh, I never hear myself and stuff, but you know it's not an interview. It's nothing. Just you know catching up. Uh, but sure. I do want to say like uh, about you. Uh, so you are in the indie maker family, you can say, right? Uh, you built sure. many products. Uh, uh, your your main one is Maker Threads, right? So you you make. Uh, why why did you why this response? <laughs> I, would, I would love to even talk about that. I'm kind of at the point where I'm tossing up. Like, do I shut it down right now, or do I keep going? Um, so I guess like. You said I've made many products. I've failed at every single one of those, I would honestly say. Um, and like Maker Threads, it's at this interesting point. Um, so a bit of background. Well, I'll finish off your sentence here. Um, so I've been building for about the past for two years. About 18 months ago, I left my full-time job. Um, just had a ton of savings in my bank. I had all the runway in the world, no responsibilities. So it just didn't make sense to have a job for me. Um, I was just wasting my time doing that. And I just accepted that the only point of value for me is just staying at this job. So I left, built plenty of products, failed at many products, and Maker Threads was my first one that actually generated revenue. And at the time, I was about a year in, just over a year of making uh, full time. And like, I'd just been in this desert for a year trying to get a dollar from someone on the internet without selling my time. And Maker Threads was this thing. So it's a print on demand store built on Shopify. Builds, I guess, swag for indie makers, indie hackers like myself. I just wanted to wear kind of shirts like this one here. It's the mascot from the bubble icon on their website. And I just thought it was like a really discreet thing that, you know, I'm proud to wear my colors as a maker. Other people might as well. Um, and yeah, that so was my first So wait a minute. And... So you, you're saying that sounds great. You have revenue, your first product that's generating revenue. Yeah. Like uh, why shut it down then? It's funny, I remember speaking to a maker a year ago when I started and he said he's also been on this journey for about two years and his response is just when you think that you you might even have a product that like you think is it and it probably won't be it. Like it'll just be a stepping stone to your next product. And I've realized that's what Maker Threads is looking to be for me. So it's generating revenue, yes. Not much though, and it's not much consistent revenue. Um, and the model itself is um, not like a SaaS, it's not pure margins, like I'm selling a physical product. So, um, just to be completely transparent, and everything I mentioned here is in Australian dollars, so you probably should do the conversions there. But um, I've done about like two and a half K Australian in revenue, so that's maybe about like 2000 US um, in, over the past eight months, I'd say I've been running it for. Um, and of that, after all my expenses that I've ever had, hosting, website, experimenting with paid ads, um, sending shirts to people as influencers to see if that would work, I probably made like 300 US out of it. And if you look at like the sheer u unit economics, my goal as a maker is to get to 4K uh, a month after taxes, after expenses, after everything, because that's what I used to make at my old job. Um, I would have to sell like... 500 shirts I think it was to get to that point and that just doesn't seem feasible um, and it's like the longer I'm in it the more I you know similar to yourself we've had these chats in the past like I don't want to speak to sorry I don't want to sell to consumers I want to try and sell to businesses or potentially like B 
be in the space where I'm not just selling a product that's fun to have. I need to sell something that like is actually valuable and either makes someone money or saves them time and kind of. Mm-hmm. I kind of had that in the past week, somewhat. So what do you mean? It's kind of something I want to talk about. Um, so it was before Christmas. Sorry, I should even backtrack a bit further here. I've got plenty of stories to tell. I know, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so a year ago, right before COVID hit, I my background is I'm a digital marketer. Um, you know that, but um, I started using Bubble, the no code tool when I first started my maker journey and the product that I built with that failed miserably. But like I learned so much about bubble throughout that time and they'd only just raised their seed round. I think it was like 7 million. And I reached out to them and just said, Hey, I absolutely love your products more than anything in the whole world. Um, but your marketing is absolutely terrible. Like I'm a digital marketer. Let me help you. And at the time they were hiring a digital marketer, but they only wanted someone in the U S um, so, and this is pre-COVID, I guess, so times were a little bit different then. And they mentioned that they'd be happy for me to contract for them and write some blog posts for them. So I was really happy with that. And then <clears throat> throughout the start of 2020, they gave me a bit of a project, which was to replicate how to build some of the most famous products out there, like Uber, Airbnb, Slack, WhatsApp on Bubble. And then I'd write a blog post about how I did it, publish it on their site. They'd pay me $150 US a post. Um, so I did that and it was a fun project and now that's actually been like a quite a good acquisition channel for them because whenever people search for no code or if they're getting into it, they want to be able to know like, I've got this idea. It's the Uber for this. Can I build it in bubble? Yes, you can. All right. I'll become a bubble customer. Um, and organically I've been getting like once a week or maybe even twice a week, just people reaching out to me on LinkedIn, Twitter, my email, and just asking like, Hey, this is awesome. Do you have a video for this? Like I prefer to work through videos, not written tutorials. And I completely agree myself, like as a no code maker, when I learned bubble, like learning through video was much more helpful than trying to follow like a written tutorial. Similar to, I guess, like learning how to code, like you just can't get into the nuances of like certain, certain conditions and all that. Like it just takes so much time. Um, And then right before Christmas, I had someone reach out to me and um, I just posted a tweet and they randomly commented on this tweet and they said, hey, I'm a maker from Japan. I'm trying to build Trello in Bubble. I love your article. Do you have a video? And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Here's an opportunity. And I was like, hey, I've got this awesome package of 10 tutorials from this series. It's 59 US dollars. If I was to put Trello in it, would you pay to get access to that whole series? And he was like, yeah, of course. And I was like, shit. I'm about to go on holidays for a week. I need to record 10 video tutorials. So I just went and recorded the one, which was about how to build Trello and Bubble. I sent him a DM and I was like, hey, I really enjoyed the way that I recorded this one better than the others. So I'm actually just going to redo the whole series, but you can have this one for 29 US. And he was like, yep, sweet. And he bought it. And I was like, oh shit, like $29, pure profit, um, just for my time, I guess. Um, And then I came back from my Christmas holidays and just started recording more videos. And two days ago, I just um, put my first course on Udemy just to kind of get some validation because I know the Udemy like share model, revenue share model isn't that generous to creators, but I just wanted to get validation before I even put the time into building my own platform to do this. And I shared a code on Twitter and just said, hey, um, I need some reviews for this course for the next 24 hours. If you just comment below, it's free. Um, and I expected everyone to get it for free, which was fine. I had like 80 people register for it for free. And I just hit refresh on my Udemy instructor dashboard and I had 10 people buy it, which was actually crazy. Wow. I was not expecting that. So we had 150 us in revenue, but the downside is, is that Udemy's, as I said, like revenue split model, isn't that generous. So I've made 40 us dollars from Udemy. Um, but yeah, it's but nice to just know that exactly like, the bigger I, yeah. picture, you know, like 40 or 80 or 100 that's another thing the validation is everything i i would argue that you know that there is a, a big community uh with no code i i do not remember the name uh it was an next product hunt uh employee that ma- made it make a pad uh, make a pad yeah. exactly funny make you that. yeah why uh, sorry to interrupt but um so I'm a massive fan of indie hackers and I listen to the podcast every week and kind of call in the host always talks about how some of the best products are like decoupled from bigger products. So a good example is like Craigslist was this massive website and Airbnb decoupled like one feature of that was people needed places to stay. 
Um, now I know that's like the complete opposite to the way I think in terms of like that's a massive VC company. I'm an indie hacker, but I think that MakerPad is this tutorial place exactly what you just mentioned, and they have tutorials for every single no code product. And I think honestly they were doing probably like. 500k to a million dollars in revenue a year would not surprise me at all like they are the no code community and one thing i noticed was that they only had like four or five tutorials for bubble on there Mm -hmm. so they post tutorials about how to build x with no code i think though that the no code space is and will only continue to get bigger so it's kind of time to decouple makerpad in a way um to kind of have my own version specifically for bubble users yeah i i see what i see what you're saying but I would argue that you don't have to be defensive. I mean, there's no space mm. for a second community. Is that what you're saying? Of course, there's space for a second community and a third community, actually, uh, even if they're not like fundamentally extremely different. I know you want to niche down uh, to what you're best at, Bubble, uh, and mm. no code is definitely the future. Uh, that for sure. Actually, I wanted to ask you a question about no code if we can go there. So... Mm. Um, I started Cyberleads with no-code tools. Uh, the reason was, number one, I was sick, sick and tired of coding at my day job. And number two was I wanted speed, you know, speed. A little bit limited flexibility, but who gives a fuck? You know, you can get it up and Absolutely. running in a week. Uh, so now I'm at a point where I'm stretching and, you know, at the absolute edge of my no code tool i'm using so i'm i'm thinking of either moving to another no code tool or building it with code customized from scratch do you know what the biggest factor for me is with no code like my biggest uh, uh, worry it's show me like Ruby and Rails, everything, all the all the programming languages are open source. Whereas no code, who tells me that Bubble is still going to be here in, in five years from now? Mm, is, sure. is there like a, an open source, but really good no code tool? The one thing that I've learned, and again, like take everything I say, extremely biased because I live and breathe Bubble. But like, I know they've got a model where if they go broke, they've like publicly they will open source the code for it so that kind of gives the community some sort of reassurance not really i know webflow yeah i know webflow which like i haven't had the chance to dive into yet you can export your code which is kind of cool um and i also know that webflow just raised insane amount of money so i think that they will be around for quite a bit of time i know but this is the first time in my life that i'm actually thinking like five or ten years ahead where that's mm. not good enough for me. Like, okay, they raised seven True. million. They'll be here for another two years, definitely. But that does not mean that they will be here in five years. And the last thing you want is your fucking foundation crumbling down in five years from now, just because you took a, a, a technical choice, you know, a legacy uh, decision. Yeah. Can I ask, like, why, like, why now? Why are you looking to rebuild now? Is it like, are you having scalability problems now with like Airtable? Is that what you're using? No. Uh, the problem is okay. with my, basically a landing page, like nothing really that is difficult. Uh, a landing page, but the thing is that now I've, I'm starting to build a blog and I'm starting to add files and what have you. And I'd also maybe uh, potentially one day want to turn it from a newsletter into a, a platform, you know, a full-blown platform. And I'm sure that you can do it with no code. And I would be open to using no code tools. But as I said, like who guarantees me that they'll be here in five years? Whereas open source technologies, you know, they are going to be here in 10 years from now. For sure. Yeah, I get that. Absolutely. I guess like, and I, I've, this is why like I really enjoy our conversations is that the way I see it is you are probably like two to five steps ahead of me and like these are problems that you're thinking of whereas like my problems are like how do I get to that first stage where I'm sure you're at now um, so I've always thought like my big thing is I only kind of deal with problems as they arise in a way like so I'm not thinking that far ahead um, yeah have you considered you probably hate me for saying this term but WordPress at all <laughs> Have you, I mean, that's open source. It's been around for uh, man, the dawn of time. Man, I, I actually worked as a word, 
as a WordPress developer for, <laughs> for two That's weeks. Where every front end dev started. <laughs> two weeks, man. I I quit. I quit my job. That was yeah. the worst job I've ever had. No, actually, it was not the worst job, but it was the worst developer job I ever had in my life. You know, everything is good until you try to customize something. The the once you try to customize something, you're fucked. Uh, you cannot change anything. In what way? Like what kind of like, like say, CSS or say you have a plugin? Yeah, even CSS. Like I remember, I wanted to to change like the title of some cars that we had, you know, uh, and yeah. I could not do it. I felt like a stupid Stupid. person you know but uh what you said i i completely agree like i i don't like uh focusing on problems too far in the future either you know i've never thought about open source and five to ten years actually just two months ago it was the first time it clicked and i said oh okay i get it i get why people care about open source because when you're fucking building your business and this is the first time in my life where uh, I'm looking at something with a with a five-year plan ahead. Uh, mm. It makes total sense, you know. I who guarantees me that they just say, "Okay, get your export export your code," and it's a fuck, fucking machine-generated code, you know, or whatever. Yeah, true. I've yeah. never seen any exported websites. Have you? No, not at all. No. See, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I honestly wouldn't have the answer for you and I hope that you can tell me what you end up going with in like a month, two months time. Like I'd be interested to know in case uh, I ever get to that point. I think I will probably go, you know, the best tool is the tool you're familiar with. I think I'll probably go with Ruby on Rails, open source. Mm. Uh, it's right in the middle, you know, it's code, but it's easy, yep. it's quick, it's fast, it's agile, it's uh, not too much engineering, which I fucking hate. Um, mm. probably well, Ruben like Rails. What, what is the need to be quick then if you let's say you're using you know Airtable at the moment and that suffices for now or like even the next two years like why do you need to build so quickly can you not just build gradually over that two years time and then you know by the end of that two years have the product ready to go custom build that's a that's a great point uh, there is no mm. need um it's it's Makers mostly <laughs> it's mostly my um, my personal preference. I don't like over engineering anything. I want something quick and easy. Like if if Bubble yeah. was no code, uh, open source. Sorry, I would definitely go for it. But now, yeah, I'm not in a hurry, you know. And that's another thing. Like now that I quit my job and have more free time, I'm. I've fallen into the trap of making up things to do. Like, why do I have to fucking rebuild it from the beginning? It's fine the way it is. It's a very tricky yeah. thing, you know. Uh, you you know because you've been uh, not working for uh, a year and a half. Uh, yeah. So, actually, yeah, actually, I'm interested. You know, what does what does your day look like? Are you like a very structured person? I wake up at Eight fifteen, and I go and I drink my coffee and or are you more like freestyling I was actually interested to ask how you're finding the switch as well because you know afterwards um yeah I'm pretty structured to be honest um I like treat it like a job like this is you know I'm not getting paid what I obviously used to but like in the hope that you know one day I will so like I'm trying to treat this as much as a kind of job but at the same time enjoying it so I don't have like a specific time I wake up, but I try and wake up early. That's when I'm most productive, I find. Um, give myself time to read some articles about like what I'm interested in the world of tech. It's kind of just a passion that I have. And then I normally just get into work. So I do freelance as well. So I freelance for Bubble, just as like their head of community. Um, so that normally takes about one or two hours of my day. So I normally do that at the end of my day after I've kind of had um, some time to be productive in the morning. But I'll normally split my days in... Um, so I'll work from like, let's say 10 in the morning, realistically through till like five. Um, I'm really productive in those times. And then I'll either exercise in the afternoon or I've got like a Muay Thai class that I go to. Um, and that takes about like three hours, honestly, between like that, doing a workout, getting home, having dinner. And then if I'm up for it, I'm happy to put in another hour or so. If not, I'm happy to just sit on the couch and watch Netflix with my partner and just kind of not push it in a way like I don't want to have to 
feel like I mean when I first started I did you know try and work as many hours as possible I just burnt out like just didn't happen but also at the same time if a friend you know just shoots me a message and they're like hey do you want to do something do you want to go for a hike or anything which you know blessed we don't have many COVID restrictions over here anymore but like yeah fuck I'm happy to take the day off like what's one day in the scheme of you know the next 10 years gonna be like just for my well-being but it's enjoyable what about you how have you been finding the switch basically nearly nearly the same like when i when i quit i was afraid that actually let me step back um when i was in greece i was a university student man i was working all day long but i was fucking around all day long you know you know that kind of working where you pretend working like a redesigning landing page or getting ready for lunch yeah (laughs) yeah so that that was mainly what i did all day i would wake up i would drink some coffee i would sit on my laptop open up open twitter of course first thing in the morning have a look at some tweets read maybe a blog post get to it open my editor code a little bit which was fucking useless i didn't have to code anything i just had to validate things uh and you know by the time it was time to eat i would eat then i would go to the gym and the the whole fucking day was gone Uh, and then i i came here to italy and i started working full-time uh and that structure man was everything for me i needed structure in my life I needed like some clear boundaries, some clear like hard boundaries that you cannot escape. Like you have to be at work at 10 o'clock. There's no yeah. no fucking around here. There's no tomorrow, next week, Monday. You have to be at work at 10 and then you have to, you get back at 7 uh, and you're toast. You're fucked. You cannot work at 7 o'clock after working the whole day. Uh, so I had to start waking up early in the morning and putting two to three hours of work. And uh, as you probably read, like that was for me everything because the hours I put in were like focused hours. They were not coffee, Twitter, uh, blog for posts. Sure. It was like, okay, what do I have to do? Bam, 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 done. Go to work, I'm done, come back home. So now it's only been a month since I've quit my job, uh, but... I've really kept everything in place, you know. I still wake up at 8 a.m. Uh, I start working at 8 a.m. I finish work at 1 p.m. And then I'm fucking done for the day, you know. I honestly do not for have sure. anything else to do. So the best thing I can do is relax, read a book, like do things that have to do with my personal and my business development, but in an indirect way. You know, like not yep. writing any code or anything like that. Like do a podcast uh, or write a big blog post or exercise. Uh, so yep. basically I'm very like- structured now. It sounds, I don't like it because like my, my girlfriend calls me a robot, for example. Uh, but it's the only way I can, I can uh, keep the pace on, you know. I get it. Um, I was going to ask, like, do you have any like personal goals now that you, I guess you've got all the time in the world to pursue you know what is it that mr alex west wants to pursue in life apart from you know building a business like outside of work yeah that's that's everything you know that's the i did i did like an exercise the about two months ago i was in a fucking meeting at work that was before i leave and i was mm. i actually i had announced that i'm leaving so after that you know after you announce that you're leaving you know, your your mind is just everywhere. You're not really paying attention. No one really asks for your opinion because they don't give a fuck what you think. You're leaving. Uh, so I was sitting in the uh, in the meeting and I was taking some notes. You know, I was fantasizing. Oh man, when I finish, I'll have all this time. What I'm gonna do? Uh, how I can scale Cyberleads to you know ten times the revenue it's doing now, whatever. Yeah. But then I was. You know, this year I made more money than I'd ever imagined I would make from a side project. Uh, And honestly, it it feels like nothing. Uh, Actually, it is nothing. Like in the grand scheme of things, making 10K in a month, you know, on the internet is laughable. It's nothing. But Mm. for me, it was everything. Uh, Like that previous WordPress developer job we were talking about, I got paid 500 bucks per month by them 
it's insane. And then yeah. now, the many times in my sleep, I make five hundred bucks. I'm like, what? The world is not fair, you know. Uh, yeah. But anyway, the the mental exercise I did was fuck that. That will come. I think uh, I will scale cyberlies in my own time. It will come, uh, and uh, let's say the the craziest dream of all have a million per year business. Okay. If I had that, what would I do? Uh, and I wrote down like, okay, if I was a millionaire, I'll do bam, 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 bam. But reading it, I realized that all the things that I wanted did not need like a fuck you money. All of them needed fuck you freedom. Like uh, the things I wrote were like, be able to travel and stay in beautiful Airbnbs, you know, be able yeah. to do what I want when I want not have a boss to tell me where to be, what to wear, how to behave, uh, what to work on, who to work with, like that, those kind of things. Have time to spend with my family if someone gets sick. Like imagine your father being sick and saying, I cannot leave work. That breaks my heart just thinking about it. You know, you, you're a slave. Absolutely. Anyway, so I, to keep things simple, like you can complicate things as much as you want, but that's not my plan. My plan is to have three hobbies. That's quoting Naval. Uh, you need one hobby that makes you money. For me, that's cyberlies. That's like a hobby for me. Then you need a second hobby that keeps you fit. For me, it used to be martial arts, but now that's not really viable. I do like I work out at home and I go for runs and stuff like that. I've hired a personal trainer as well. Uh, a, a school actually we were in the same class in high school and he's like a personal Very trainer and that was fucking brilliant you know because I could spend my money on an on American fucking personal trainer which I've never seen in my life or I could hire my one of my best friends from school so we, we do like zoom training sessions three times per week and that's my second that's hobby cool. which is to keep you fit and then there's a third hobby which is to keep you creative and for me, this, what we're doing now is my third hobby. So all I'm going to change is structure my day to be calm, my mind to be clear and to have three hobbies. One hobby that makes me money, one hobby that keeps me fit and one hobby that keeps me creative, which is this podcast. So all I'm going to add is exercise every day, no exceptions, and also start this podcast. Interesting. Could you, how do you feel about like, and it's interesting because you, you know, always say that cyber leads like isn't a sexy business, but like, do you feel like cyber leads could also be that hobby that keeps you creative in some way? Yeah, but I think that's an over exaggeration. We like to label things as creative sometimes, you know, like, oh, my job is very creative. I think. How do you define creative? I exactly. Guess, like, yeah, like, I would yeah. say creative is doing something artful. And if you're doing it for the money. It's not really art. I don't. I don't feel like it's art. You know, there are some artistic elements to it, definitely, yep. as in everything. You know, martial arts included. But yep. uh, I think, like for example, the art of conversation is a lot deeper than the art of generating blog, blog posts or something like that. I I put for that sure. in the category of money making, uh, and uh, you know business i yeah. had this um my partner she like performs in like musical theater shows and we had this chat about like what creative actually means she was applying for a job somewhere um she's starting to be a teacher and hmm. she i told her i was like oh you know it'd sound good if you know you think of creative ways to achieve certain goals and she's like yeah but creative doesn't what what context is that and i was like well what does creative mean to you and she said the exact same thing to you it was like you know it's arts it's something fun it's something like vivid or like i don't know and i was like to me though creative is just another word for innovative i think because like you're using creative ways like different ways to do certain things i think i'm just obviously so biased in saying no that actually I've i worked in tech for so long i even you know disagree with my statement like i don't have like my mind fixed uh i have an open yeah. mind and i change my mind all the time i used to think the same way that you do but uh now i i'm starting to feel like okay keep those two worlds separate 
for your own sake. Like, uh, don't try to make your hobby or your passion or your creative pursuits to milk them and make money from them. Uh, So it's more like in my mind, I have them separated. I'm sure it's creative as well. Mm, Interesting. Do you enjoy like the world of tech? Because like, I know there's some people who like their goal is, you know, this is tweet. It's like most like founders want to make millions from tech so that they never have to work in tech no, again. Like, what the fuck? I, I, I sleep. Yeah. I dream of tech businesses. I wake up thinking about tech businesses and all day long, I think about tech businesses. <laughs> I fucking love tech. <laughs> I love everything yeah. about small internet businesses, especially in our time where, where the, the ideal size of a company is shrinking all the time. You know, now sure. I believe that, you know, that, well, there are already many million dollar companies of one, and that will only, you know, take off more from now. I, I think that's a, a an outdated notion that the more hands on something, the better the results. Like I've been part of meetings, man, where we're talking about the color of a, of a single button. And we're just overcomplicating the shit out of it just because we're many people. And when many people try to all chime in and add their opinion, you fuck yeah. it up. So the way I see like the market going, similar to yourself, what you just mentioned is that, so traditionally there's companies like Salesforce, let's say, um, massive like enterprise, you know, businesses spend billions with them every year. Um, the way I see like the future in 20, 50 years, um, which, you know, it's pretty far away, but is that there'll be less people obviously working for those companies, but all those people will have their own version of Salesforce, their own version of something. And like, they'll only need a million dollars a year in revenue to sustain them. Only. I think that like, yeah, if that, yeah, sorry, 100K, if that, depending on where you're living. Um, but yeah, like I just see like a world where there's the same kind of GDP, but like it's just distributed across people, like not businesses, but people, you know, people are businesses, as you know very well. But like, yeah, especially in, throughout COVID, that kind of hit true more than any other time in the world, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting to watch. It shows that if needed, we do have the infrastructure for the atomization of businesses. Like we can mm. do it. Uh, and we, like many things like with COVID, even remote work, like in, uh, I think it starts from there. Like instead of hiring a building and bricks and putting computers in and having people commute just to sit on that specific computer. Many times they even bring their own computer from home. They just come to sit in a chair, which is ridiculous, right? I used to do that. Like I used to take my laptop from home because they used to make us take our laptop back home. Uh, And uh, I would take my laptop and just sit in that specific chair and open my laptop. And I was thinking like, why am I doing this? Like, what's the need? Anyway, I think it starts from there. So first of all, we're all remote, which means that you can hire people more easily. And uh, then you you can even take that further to freelancers. Like you can only hire freelancers because that's becoming easier all the time. So you can only like hire externally when needed. And at, at its core, it can be a company of one or two people or three. That is amazing. Yeah. I think we're living in the best time ever uh, when it comes to business. Mm. Same time though. Like I've always said that like it absolutely is the best time in the world, but like it's kind of hard because there's too many choices, like which is such a like millennial thing to say, but like I get distracted all the time by new ideas. Um, the online course was one, for instance, like I've been thinking of doing that for maybe eight months and then I was like, no, that's a distraction. It's a distraction. Um, I could do that in a day, like no code. Like, fuck, I could build you something in a week, a month, like as opposed to having to go down the route of finding a developer, raising money and things like that. Like, it is so easy. But at the same time, like, I see so many people. I mean, I'm used to be one of them. I probably still am. But like just building pointless shit for the sake of it and thinking that it's going to work. Like, Me included. A... Yeah. <laughs> whenever I see someone build a community, I'm like, you're a great person, but that's just not going to work. Unfortunately, like it's just the it might I might be completely wrong, but like the fucking hard, like very hard. I think like it's that. probably the worst idea. Like everyone has a friend who has an idea for a mobile app slash uh, oh, yeah. marketplace. You know, uh, 
Yeah, which you cannot tell to anyone because they're still his idea, by the way. Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. You should see, I do, like, support... Not really support, but, like, I monitor, like, the community for Bubble, as I mentioned, and they run a bunch of Facebook ads. And I, like, respond to all the comments on those. So if someone asks for a question, send them a link. Um, I spend about, like, you know, a little bit of time each day doing that. And there's so many people that are just, like... <laughs> What's the guarantee that you just won't steal my idea and build it? Yeah. And <laughs> I'm just like, oh, fuck. I was the same. You know? like I was exactly the same. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. My well, first okay, idea, shit. I kept it secret. Uh, the only people that I told, I I made them promise not to say it to anyone, you know? Uh, didn't you I, have an NDA? <laughs> no, I didn't know what an NDA was, but if I could, I would. Uh, I built it for two years straight. Uh and then I built it and I was like, okay, I have it ready. You know, polishing, yeah. making all the corners perfect, the design perfect, the extra features that would make the fucking difference. You know, that this feature, if it has this feature, that's it, man. It's end game. If the button is this color, oh, like man. the UX, which is <laughs> retention right away through the roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, uh, and uh, yeah, I feel you. My, my idea was basically a community again. I think it's the number one ideas because when you don't have a lot of context and a lot of like uh, stimuli from other ideas that will do well uh that's the first thing that you have like the the only stimuli you have is okay i go out with my friends on the weekend and i also you know uh i make some coffee maybe an idea with coffee uh, or maybe an idea going out with friends and that was my idea was an app to to find out better where to go out to have drinks with your friends it was a fucking stupid idea but i think it's a progression, right? It takes time yeah. to come up with better ideas as well. And I think the best place to cultivate your idea muscle is product hunt by far. Like every yeah. single day you can see like what is hitting home, what what is doing better than other things. I think it's a great place and it helped me like narrow down my, my scope to tech to yeah. yeah more simple things. I would like, there is one kind of silver lining to product hunt and like I... I don't mean to brag, but I was uh, nominated as community member of the year two years ago because wow. I just used it so fucking much. And I stopped using it because it's just, it's almost poisonous in a way that like people just think that like if they have a good product hunt launch, if they get lots of upvotes and lots of traffic, that means business to them. So I launched on Maker Threads. It was just really scrappy, just like a uh, Teespring website. It wasn't even on my customer domain. And I put it on Product Hunt one day. It was a Sunday just randomly. And, like, I always set my expectations. It's like, this will fail. And then I remember that was a big day for me because that was, like, on my first sale ever after, like, two years. And uh, I made, like, 40 bucks. And then I saw on Indie Hackers the person who got, like, number one product of the day. Mine was, like, number 10, 11 product of the day. So it didn't get many upvotes, but, like, I generated revenue. And then I saw that the person uh, who got the number one product of the day had, like, 300 upvotes. They got, like, I don't know, 1,000 sessions, 100 users sign up, and, like, none of them converted. So, like, in a way, like, you can't gauge upvotes in a way to, like, influence what is successful and what is, like, what is not and what people will actually pay for, I think. Um, I just posted a thread about it just before about, like, similar to yourself, you didn't know at the time that that was going to be a bad idea. And I always knew, people always told me, that, like, unless you have paying customers, don't build it. Um, you know, don't build something in the dark, build it in the public. I, I knew that was the case. But just by, like, default, you just do it still. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the only way you can learn is just by having to go through the failure. And then, like, once you're in that sheer point of desperation where you just want something to work, you then realize what works. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's exactly what I meant. Like, you have to go through those stages, I think, with the bullshit ideas. Then the I first, it was first is like community marketplace ideas. Then it's like uh, B2C ideas. And then slowly you start to get in the hang of it and you go to targeted niche markets where they pay money and all those nice elements they come together and then you find your one good idea which like on a venn diagram it has like all the pieces you need you know easy to maintain can be run by a single person in a good market in a big market 
you know, you can build with no code, fill in the blank, but it takes years to come up with a single idea. Like if I, if I put down the time that it took from idea uh, to launch to 10 paying customers for Cyberlaze, it's probably two weeks, but to get to those two weeks and those actions that were right, it takes two to three years, two to three years, I think. Yeah, of consistent absolutely. work, not pretend work. <laughs> One thing I'd be interested to hear is like your thoughts on the concept of like found a product fit. So everyone says that like the most important thing is finding a product that you would build, you know, every single day for the fun of it for the rest of your life. And personally, like very unpopular opinion. I don't think that's true in my case because I think that if I, I built products, I built communities that I think are like really great. They're in a niche that I'm so passionate about. And like, I did wake up for, you know, years building it out of fun, but didn't generate revenue. So I just burnt myself out. Whereas if I was building something unsexy, didn't really enjoy it. And again, I say this from my perspective of someone who's failed so many times and would love some sort of theme of like success. But if I had a product that was boring and it was generating, you know, hundred K in annual revenue, be fucking stoked like i would be happy to like because you've made progress like that progress is like validation for you as a, like a human being in a way like what are your thoughts on that like with found a product fit i think as with all like absolute statements because that's an absolute statement don't build it if you cannot commit to it for 10 years i think it's i don't agree with that uh mm. i do believe though that product market fit is overrated because they don't take into account distribution, which is the biggest part of the equation. So in that sense, I would say your distribution channels are what uh, make the founder part of the equation. So founder product fit in the sense that you, you commit to a product that you can actually distribute to people. Because if you're just looking, you know, you know what I mean, right? Like, okay, you have a strong Twitter audience, find the fucking product that you can sell to them. Uh, don't build something different because it's your passion or whatever. Play smart. At the same time, though, uh, man, un- unsexy businesses uh, enable the most sexy lifestyles. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of money in unsexy yes. businesses, and you know, there's there's ugliness in 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 beautiful things, and there's beauty in ugly things. Uh, for example, in my company that I worked, there was the epitome of a sexy business. They were building life-saving medical devices. Uh, Man, there was so much ugliness under that carpet, you cannot even imagine, like... Uh, like support tickets of this this device is fucking bullshit and you're gonna kill us or some stuff like that you know servers going down and people's lives on the line and you know there's a lot of ugliness in things that look from the outside amazing and on the other hand you have like something more unsexy like cyberlies but Trust me, no one tells me if the server is down in the middle of the night. No one gives a fuck. It's a, it's a newsletter. Uh, so running and and at the same time, like there are many things that are the same. Like they get support tickets. I get support tickets. They have to do boring things. I have to do boring things. So you're going to have boring things and lovely things in every business. I love with capital letters. Uh, running cyberlies I fucking love it I love my customers because they're all CEOs they're serious people strictly business emails two sentences long at the most most of the time they don't even reply to my emails like I have zero customer support they don't even reply to me Uh, it's amazing and it doesn't have to be your fucking passion that's exactly it like I'm doing this podcast because I want to talk with friends like you and have nice, genuine conversations and not try to milk it and make money out of it just because it's my passion or whatever. So I would say unsexy businesses are the way to go if you enjoy running them. You, you know what? Do you understand what I mean? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, like, um, you might not enjoy the business, but you might enjoy the lifestyle that it gives you, like... Yeah, I'm sure you're a lot happier and you will continue to be a lot happier, you know? Yeah, I remember you telling me, actually, now, funny that you mention it. I remember you saying once uh, when we chatted like a few months ago, uh, Alex, have you thought of adding like a contact us 
okay and uh, maybe you have a call with an agency and you can sell them like a big plan or something and we were saying that you know it could be like two hours of your day every day and it could generate to a lot of money but that was something that i did not want to do like mm. some things you don't want to do some other things you're okay with doing i'm not saying go build a business that you fucking hate doing like i don't know doing direct sales or whatever i'm just saying that it doesn't have to be perfect because there's nothing like perfection nothing cyberlease is far from perfect like it's in a market with very high churn uh, like my revenue fluctuates. I cannot sleep like a baby at night because I never know what's going to happen. Uh, I have to keep rowing the boat. My distribution channels are unstable. There's so many fucking things, but nothing will be perfect, you know? So just find something good enough that you enjoy running and it makes you money. That's number one. Number one is money and go for it. That's That would be my advice to myself like a year ago. Do you think that like, in my opinion, like perfection certainly doesn't exist because you're always going to want kind of that next level. Like, again, from my perspective, like cyber leads to be the dream, you know, 10K a month, like that's exceeds my goal. 2X See, is my that's goal. That's the like, dangerous thing, you know, like it was, mm. it was not 10K, like it, it was 10K if you add, like it was with an affiliate and it was in the span of 30 days and it was many factors. I would say like normally it's around 3K per month. Yeah. Even then, to be honest, I'd be pretty fucking stoked. Yeah, I am <laughs> but, um, pretty fucking stoked as well. Yeah, I'm living the but fucking like once dream. You, yeah. yeah, once you get to that milestone, though, you're always going to want more. I remember the day I... Sorry, my first month with Maker Threads, I made $500. And like that was insane because I went from 0 to $1 and then went to $500 in the same month. And I was like, I've done it. Like I've, I've cracked indie hackers. Like I can finally be someone that like people you know, see that I've done it. And I went down and I sat in a park one day and I just sat in a swing for a good hour just thinking like, fucking done it. <laughs> like, I'm so happy. I've, I'd never been that content in so long. And then, you know, a month later, I was like, what's next? And then you just change your mind. You change different goals. You kind of, yeah. I remember thinking I worked two years to get there. And then I was like, this isn't enough. Yeah, that's tricky, you know. But I, I do yeah. share the same experience. When I... You know, I was at work, okay? I launched Cyberleads. It was a Friday. Uh, I'm at work. I have a meeting. I check into Product Hunt. Not great, you know? Zero customers. I'm like, oh, pff, fuck. Just another failure. Another failure. <laughs> yep. I go into a meeting. Uh, I come out of the meeting an hour later. I check my emails. Two sales. Like 29 and 29. I was... 50 something monthly recurring revenue i'm like fuck man it's crazy and that month was like a dream you know very stressful but i was so content that you know mostly towards yourself you know because when you're struggling so long for something that does not pay off for a long time you feel fucking stupid you feel like you're a dreamer you feel like you know your Every your parents life. are yeah. right <laughs> you know my parents were like what the fuck are you doing there you know <laughs> typing in your laptop supposedly building businesses like get real you know and like my father does have a family business like a dental supply business that me and my, my siblings could go and it would be okay but you know i remember once actually this is a fun story so i'm talking to my father uh, i've built around five products um, I'm studying as well at the time because my parents do not understand like indie hacking. They're like, either you work or you study. There's nothing else. Yeah. So I'm studying at the time and I'm also building some side projects. And uh, I go to my father and I say like, oh, remember that project that went really well on that platform, Product Hunt? Well, today I added payments, you know, and maybe I start getting paid. And my father is like, okay, how much are you charging? I say $5 per month. I was like three euros per month. It's like, and he looked at me in a way of feeling sorry about me. Like Alex, you know, you, you know, you can like find a good job or something like that, you know? And I remember saying, motherfucker, why are you, you're killing me. And I go upstairs and I checked my laptop and I had my first two paying customers ever in my life. 
uh, five and five and that was i was like i went down to my phone and said fuck you They're see doing... two people pay yeah. this uh, this is 10 on the internet that means it could be ten thousand. uh yep yeah i'll never forget that day but <laughs> to to uh, sorry for that rant to to get back to your point of always wanting more that's a very dangerous thing you know that's why mm. like non-actionable goals are bullshit in my opinion like 10k per month okay i reached it or if it was if it was 5k per month or 10k per month would there be any difference not at all as you said like you kind of get to a point where you know there's no difference between 5k and a million dollars like what do you what do you do with yeah it, like? so it takes a lot of bravery i think and courage to say okay this is fucking it it doesn't get any better than this uh so uh figure it out why aren't you happy <laughs> or something like that <laughs> so oh, i'm happy now don't you worry <laughs> no i'm talking mostly to myself you know because yeah yeah you always want like more. learning to as cliche as it sounds like learning to enjoy the journey is like the most important thing and like i feel like i can only say that now that like i feel like my journey really began when i made my first dollar yeah. and like that was when i was like okay i don't hate this yes like i mean i loved what i was doing but i hated myself because i thought i was incapable i thought maybe i was cursed like something just wasn't right with me perhaps um and now like i feel like i'm on the journey like i'm on the train indie hacking away um and i know that like my failure is when i hop off and get a real job sorry a full-time job <laughs> um and you know i'm just doing what i can to make sure that that day never comes and then eventually i know that 10 years down the track if i don't give up if i show up every day i'll, I'll get there yeah I, I could not agree more about the enjoying the journey it's not you know everyone who says enjoy the journey has reached somewhere you know no one can say yep. that when you're at zero feeling stupid like you cannot enjoy the journey then only looking back you can fantasize and say oh the good days it's bullshit in my opinion you know you just have to keep going yeah. and it, it sucks it's like a long run you know it sucks at times for sure no i look back now and i'm like oh, i kind of i love those times where i failed like it just it was cute <laughs> like that i thought that that would work to begin with <laughs> like it's just crazy like it's yeah yeah that's a weird totally one nostalgia it. is a very weird feeling because it's it's very deceptive and illusional uh, like you think like when you think of an ex-girlfriend or something and you think only the good things and you get nostalgic but if you sit down and you think the the good and the bad things you really get a better idea of what it was really like and i think the same goes with business journey many people fantasize their old days when they were small startup or whatever but they don't really t I, I believe that they don't really take into account the bad things either because trust me they were not content when they were small startup they were always fantasizing the big money and the big companies so the same for me i cannot fantasize and look back nostalgically when i was failing 19 products in a row no way in hell uh but now i can like actually i don't i'll never give that advice enjoy the journey or whatever i know what it means but uh i would say just try to make it sustainable and uh have longevity because business compounds and i'm i'm, I'm starting to believe that nearly everything in the world compounds like the default growth of everything is not linear like in school that we were taught that everything compounds martial arts bmx riding uh, business everything there are some key breakthrough moments it doesn't go like like this some breakthrough moments like the day you launched maker threads or the day you said fuck it i'm not building another community until i get paid those kinds of days they they do not come when you expect them to come for sure I think that like even just watching indie hackers and like product hunt and just that whole like maker community like the the biggest thing and the hardest thing is like consistency like even every top podcast that you know ever exists Joe Rogan for instance like how long has he been around for fucking years like every single day he showed up and imagine like there'd be people who are like and i even think myself how, how close was i sometimes when i threw in the towel like if i just kept doing the same thing every single day youtube vloggers like some people are like why would you start a vlog in 2021 you're like well if i do it for five years you know it's probably going to get somewhere but you know just the, who's going to you know 
be in the long run for that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like you just need to go in with that mentality that it is going to take time, I think, and play the long game. Yeah, in that sense, that that goes with what you were saying of founder product fit. But uh, I would argue, just to recap that, that it's not the idea that has to be ideal, but the uh, the everyday process has to be something that you enjoy. That's it, you know. For sure. The idea doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to love running that business. So what? Are, mm. So now you have this course, and uh, when will it? Is it ready now? Can people uh, pay for it? Yeah. So I've got one of them on Udemy. So Udemy again was just I wanted to get validation, and I knew that they've got distribution. So that's the biggest problem with any product is distribution. Well, not the biggest, but like a pretty big problem. Um, so Udemy's like fees are insane. It's like if someone finds your course organically on Udemy and buys it, it's like 50-50 split. If it's on sale, which every course is on Udemy, they get 80% of it, you get 20% of it. Uh, if someone purchases on the Udemy app, of course, you could include Apple's 30% uh, payments, so you pretty much get nothing. Um, but what I wanted to do with Udemy was just get that validation to start with. Yeah. That, you know, People are searching for this, people are buying it. Um, so I put up a course that was how to rebuild a really basic version of Uber with bubble. Um, that was my first course. I want to build 10 and every time I build one or record one, they don't take long. They take me like a day to record, day to edit, day to upload. Nothing compared to like some of the other products I've worked on. Um, I'll upload each one of those to Udemy just so it's kind of generating some sort of revenue in the background. And then I think once I get to 10, um, it's a, pretty reasonable kind of number to launch it as like a, a collective product where you pay $99 or $149 to get lifetime access to it. So MakerPad is $249 for yearly access. Um, sorry, $199 I think for yearly access, $600 maybe for lifetime access. So I think that if I can start small even, I mean, I wonder if I could perhaps charge more pricing, something I need to experiment with. But once I've got enough value there, the, the lifetime payments what I'm really going to go after. I'm not going to do subscriptions. I'm going to do you pay once, you get access to these, plus anything else I publish in the future. Just so I can really start to get higher revenue numbers. Because similar to Maker Threads, like, it just comes down to unit economics. You know, Do I want to sell a thousand things at $10 or you know, sell what? hundred dollar thing what ten times to get that thousand dollars yeah so that's kind of my goal next and, and especially like uh, like in in your case this is not like a customer lock-in you're not building like a logistics tool that once they imp- integrate it into the company they're done i would imagine that the default behavior would be i go in I download the episodes or I have a look at the episodes. I learn what I wanted to learn and then I bounce and I unsubscribe. Whereas if you take up in advance like a yearly or a lifetime deal, you've made more money than you would make uh, with monthly subscriptions. And regardless of, you know, the unsexiness of not having MRR, you know, monthly recurring revenue, which is the the holy grail. I agree with you. I would do the same thing. Yeah. I think that the only reason I didn't do this eight months ago when I thought of the idea was that it was B2C. Um, but there's this really fine line. I mean, yes. Just watching a lot of people do it is like, this is a product where people pay good money to get this concept of like learning, education. You know, they're going to make more out of this than what they pay for. Um, and even as I say, communities like MakerPad, like people pay insane. In my opinion, they pay insane amounts of money. Like, I mean, it's a great product, but... Um, like I kind of know how to build some of those tools. So like I might not see the value in that. Whereas like someone else new to the no code space, like it's a bargain for them. Um, and that's why I've been so surprised that, you know, I've sold 15 copies of it already. Like it's really just surprised me. So I definitely think there's demand for it. Um, and still just really trying to, the next version I build isn't going to be a no code tool. It's just going to be off the shelf. I might use Teachable. I might use Podia. I'm not going to waste time like building this massive subscription or like member based platform. That'll be the step after once I get 10K, let's say, pull a random figure out of the air. Like, just really incremental, small steps. Keep it as scrappy as possible. Keep it as simple as possible. Go in with the idea that this might not be the product that does it for me, but this will get me to where I need to be. Um, But yeah, it's interesting. That's kind of what I'm hoping to do now. I think this is going to do well. I think this is going to be the one. Uh, And I mean it because, like, you're... Mm. 
again, thinking top down, you can reason all you want. You have no fucking idea what's going to work and what's not going to work. But you have many things for you in this case. And I don't want to jinx it. But number one, you know, uh, the no code community is where you are hanging out. Uh, Bubble is coming up as the most popular uh, no code tool. Uh, other people have done the the dirty work of validating what you're doing. You have already 15 sales. I mean, I think it's going to do good. Keep low expectations and put the work in every day. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I think I think you're going to do well. What's it called? I haven't even named it. Hmm. I wanted to validate it before I named it. <laughs> um, I did buy a domain though yesterday, buildingwithbubble.com. Hmm. Great. Which I was fucking surprised I got a .com. Um, so I thought in worst case scenario, this fails. That domain should be bought it for 13 Australian. That should be worth maybe 26 Australian by the time I sell it. So I'll get 2x. <laughs> so you I can make $10 from that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um but no, yeah, I try and like these days, I remember I used to think of like branding and like features that I wanted to build these days. Like honestly, your MVP, um, you don't need a Twitter profile. You don't need a name. You don't need a logo. You just need like, you don't even need a fucking product. Like you just need someone to say, I want to pay for this. Yes. It's valuable. Yeah. All you need is um, a, what I've done. a checkout page. That's it. Yeah. I think that like, just in summary of kind of everything I've said before, like going through your own lessons, like one thing I've noticed as a maker and something that I'm proud of myself is like, I've gotten really good at validation and similar to yourself, you know, 25 hour products, you're going to learn something in there about validation. Um, and like I had another product a month ago that I really wanted to kind of work on and I had one B2B customer say they were willing to pay for it. And I was like, that's not enough validation. Like I need more. And I couldn't find more. And I was like, cool, I'm not building it. Whereas back old me would have jumped in bubble would have fucking spent three months in there building it, yeah. gone to them. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've gotten really good validation. Been there, done that. Listen, man, yeah. this was great. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. One hour. For that sure. was easy. You know, I like that. That was good. And you, This is good. I like this. Yeah, uh, you'll be back soon. Let me... I hope so. <laughs> let me find the button to stop this. Sure.